0: What's up, horror fans? Anchor Pete here, and I'm with my co-host, Danny, Dr. Zaius, G-O-D, on Twitter. And today, we are joined once again by David Weiner. Now, you guys might uh, recognize David because he was on our show before. We talked about his horror doc, In Search of Darkness, and we talked about it in length. And we also talked about In Search of Darkness 2, and we talked about In Search of Tomorrow. Well, In Search of Darkness 2 has been released, and In Search of Tomorrow is on its way. So we're going to talk about that. Plus, David, I was hoping that today we could also talk about In Search of Discussion, which is about, like, modern podcasters who grew up in the 80s, and, like, when we could be on that documentary, too. (laughs) This is it. We're filming it right now. Oh, okay, cool, cool. Okay, good, good. All right. I keep all footage. (laughs) There you go. Uh,
1: Well, uh, I guess my first question uh, being that Uh, I know that we're all obviously using Twitter is David, can horror exist in outer space?
2: I really enjoyed how you, uh, you went right to that when you were doing the, the, uh, when you were watching uh, for the first time, the in search of tomorrow trailer and you did a little uh, sort of preamble and that completely cracked me up because boy, (laughs) this, this poor journalist, I say poor journalist because you know, she put something out there. I don't think she gave much thought to A, the response or B that, you know, it wasn't very well thought out argument uh, and she just got trampled. Um, but I think in ultimately in a positive way, sure there are people who are kind of negative about things and mean, but I think it, it, it created a healthy discussion just that uh, there aren't necessarily boundaries about where you set a genre. A genre is more about the trappings of the genre, not the location so no no you can't have horror in space no it's never been done (laughs) i actually i actually used i actually used uh gravity as an example um because i think i think for me yeah gravity is a drama it's an adventure um it's not a horror movie it's not known as a horror movie but gosh if i was in sandra bullock's situation in space I'd be mortified, horrified, and sure I was going to die. And, and boy, that's sort of the the recipe for any good uh, horror movie is seeing if someone will live or die and survive by their wits. So, you know, it's it's however you want to slice it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in space, no one can hear you scream. So, yes, you made a good point. There is no horror because you can't hear the screaming. <laughs> but on top, you know, on top of that as well, it's just like, to me, it was completely low-hanging fruit. But I was just like, well, here's. Jason X, what do you want to do with that one? You know, Leprechaun 4, what do you want to do with that one? You know, it's like, um, it, it, for those of us who know, don't get so angry about it. It's silly. And yeah. for those who don't know, educate. Don't, uh, don't uh, you know, condemn.
0: With genre, it's like the emotion that it evokes, right? And mm-hmm. so that can happen in any kind of setting. It's just the emotion that's connected to it.
2: Absolutely. You know, and, and so many of, of the best movies that I really respond to, uh, they, they're multiple genres. Um, and, and I don't like to say it's one particular genre, you know, Alien, Predator, Ghostbusters. What is Ghostbusters? You know, is it? A, it's a comedy. But if you got to put it in a genre, is it a horror movie? Is it a sci fi movie? You know, is it what is it exactly? You know, is it I mean, about homeless people who need to get a new house? You know, I mean, uh-huh. what, what is it exactly? I,
1: I feel like you know you you touched on this uh, when, on the first question. You're know, like obviously social media can get very toxic very quickly, but when you're talking about genre, there's always there's this question of you know it, what is this? You know there's this like undying urge to classify film, and I, I was going to ask you as a as a curator as a, a documentarian as somebody who's compiled 9 hours of horror documentary and now you're you're putting out another massive sci-fi documentary Do, does this debate intrigue you or does it just annoy you at, at times cuz like my favorite film my favorite horror movie is jaws and i've had to defend jaws as a horror movie to people on social media so yeah
2: Well, it's like it's a it's a horror subgenre when animals attack, you know, nature, man versus nature, you know, and man versus nature also is not necessarily a horror genre. It's just a genre -genre, subgenre itself, you know. um, I have, I have evolved, um, when it comes to, I say that with confidence, see, I've grown an additional arm. I have (laughs) i I've evolved when it comes to social media, especially the toxicity of Twitter and any social media where people just, uh, like to posture, they like to condemn, they like to condescend, they like to feel superior. Uh, they like to, uh, we've all seen it. We've all seen it. Um, you know, whether it's the argument of you know is a is a remake worthy or not you know is uh, a genre only this and not that whatever it may be you know um, there's always going to be arguments and I think you could call it an argument you could call it a discussion, you could call it a debate. you know I think an argument is is there, there's there's a, there's something to be said about semiotics, about words and context you know um, and and if you're calling something, Listen, if, if you have a family uh, and I'm yelling at my kid, I've I've learned to say to him, I'm not yelling at you, I am being stern, and there's a difference. You wanna hear me yell? You'll hear the difference. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, and, and and the thing is, it's uh, we we need to discuss. I think it's healthy to, to discuss and to debate, but when you when you choose to declare that your opinion is is correct and others are invalid, that's our problem. And so I'm happy to be out there to step in every now and then for my own entertainment. Uh, or if I feel a little bit didactic and I want to say, well, did you know this? That might help the argument. I might step in. But truth be told, I see things like that and I normally sidestep it. But there was something about <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no horror in space where I felt the need to step in yet explain yeah, rather than pick pile. If there And there's a difference. So I just thought, listen, I could I could say you're a dope for saying this and you deserve to be trampled on by the world of of Twitter. Or I could say, well, what about this? What about that? You know, there was someone who defended the idea and said, you know, this, I'm not going to name names. This is this, that's that, you know, this is horror, aliens, horror in space, Star Trek is not horror in space. And I'm like, well, let's take that moment in Star Trek too when Chekhov gets the seti eel and it goes into his ear. Wow. I, I have not seen one, anything more horrifying in 1982 other than The Thing, you know. Yeah. So, it it just it, it's all however you want str- to strategize your argument.
1: Yeah, it it's funny. I I just I because I, I know we're gonna talk about uh, In Search of Tomorrow in a second, but one of the the clips that you put in the trailer is the scene from uh, Superman Three. <laughs> and that scene, that scene at the end, more than any scene in any graphic horror film, scarred me as a kid. I mean, I had nightmares of that robot woman from from Superman 3. And and I'm not gonna argue Superman 3 is a horror movie, but that scene is a freaking horror movie in itself.
2: So. Well, that's that well, you make you know that's the point. And 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 with talking about In Search of Tomorrow, there's there's the well-known validated we all know this is a classic and then they're the ones that are just our favorites or you know they just they, they didn't do so well at the box office they didn't do well critically but we kind of circle our wagons over the, the the homely children that we love you know and and i think superman 3 f- very much for me falls in that category because i was older when i saw superman 3. in fact superman 3 was the not first superman movie i chose i i specifically chose not to see it in the theater because I was, I love Superman so much. I love Superman 2 so much. And Superman 3, they're like, here's a comedy. Here's Superman making a goofy face holding Richard Pryor. I'm like, what are they doing? You know, you had this, such a this cool trajectory off of his, uh, uh, Superman 2. I was just like, no, no, no. And I was older and I was more cynical and I just said, pass completely. But I can completely respect, and, you know, I eventually, of course, saw Superman 3 many times, but I, I can completely respect. If you're younger, it's kind of the Jar Jar Binks theory that I've got. You know, everyone loves to jump on Jar Jar Binks, but it's like, uh, you know, I had a coworker when we were when when Force Awakens came out and we were all talking about what we love about Star Wars. And she said, Well, you know, my first Star Wars was the Phantom Menace. I was nine years old and there was Jar Jar Binks, and he made me laugh and I was entertained, and I've had to defend myself. Over the Phantom Menace and Jar Jar Binks for my whole life to the point where I stopped doing it because I didn't want to be outed as someone who, who actually liked Jar Jar Binks. Sue me, you know. <laughs> so listen, listen, de- it, a lot of this depends on the age you are uh-huh. when you consume this stuff. And if you're young and impressionable, there is no cynicism. There's just wide-eyed uh, excitement, enthusiasm, and, and you become very you're very impressionable at that age. And so, gosh, you know, whether it's Mac and Me, if you saw that before you saw E.T., you uh-huh. know, or if you saw Superman 3 as your first Superman movie, it's just like awesome, you know. And if Superman scared the Superman 3 scared the crap out of you because all of a sudden you realize at any given moment you could be taken over and transformed by a computer into a, you know, a, a spray silver metallic, <laughs> wow. you know, creature, yeah. then uh, I could see nightmares for, for years.
0: Since uh, yeah, well, you know, speaking of the difference in generations, um, and also that sort of that Twitter toxic environment, I know that part of the benefits of funding in search of darkness too, or funding in search of tomorrow is that you get access to discord servers. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering, just based on your servers that people can get access to is is that like a very kind of polite community? Is everyone getting along with each other? And then is there this sort of bonding between Fans that are older, and then like younger generation fans too.
2: Absolutely, you know, there's a mandate uh, that if you're going to be part of the community that we've set up, that everyone has to be kind and supportive and 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 nice to each other. And if there's toxicity in there, you're going to get warned, and then you're going to get the boot. Um, and I think there's a lot of people who I've, I've found that people are ultimately very respectful. You know, there are a couple of people where old habits die hard, or they don't quite get the rules. Um, But they are immediately respectful when they realize that there's a structure in there to keep everything cool and friendly and and informative and entertaining and nostalgic, you know, Um, I do the same thing with uh, it came from blog, you know, Uh, I have a, a Twitter. Um, I have a, a real wonderful community who just loves to share all their cool stuff and talk about nostalgia and all that kind of stuff like that. And, you know, so one of the great joys for me of this whole social media verse is being able to post a picture of something that people haven't thought about in years. I mean, I just I posted a, about a show called Cliffhangers that came out in the late 70s that, on NBC. And it was, it, was, it was drafting off of the, the Cliffhanger serials of the earlier days of, of cinema, but they turned it into a movie, into, into a TV show where you had three different cliffhangers, and one was a Dracula story, one was a a Western with aliens in it was Cowboys versus Aliens before that happened. Uh-huh. And then there was sort of like a perils of Pauline with Susan Anton. And um, it was great, and everyone loved that. And and week after week we were at the edge of our seats because it ended on a cliffhanger. I, I uh-huh. didn't know that there was something called a cliffhanger until I was. <laughs> Eleven years old, and it was on TV, and there it was. Um, but you know, I digress. The idea is that there's a, a, a warm community where, if you aren't judging and you're just sharing, and informing, and 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 reliving, it it kind of doesn't enter. I don't have to police my my area. You know, awesome. it's it's out there if if you can find it. If you build it, they will come. I heard that in a movie once.
0: Yes. Well, that particular movie is from uh, the 90s, right? Or is it the 80s for Field of Dreams? Field of 89. Dreams
2: is a, is a yeah, 89.
0: 89? Okay, okay, okay. But, but that was bringing me up to my 90s question. You see, because what I was going to say was, I saw also one of the benefits or, like for your team on your Indiegogo, there's mention of an In Search of Darkness 3. And so my question to you is, is In Search of Darkness 3 more 80s footage and, like, you're going to interview more people? Was that, like, the whole idea of the series? Or are you going to potentially move on to the 90s at this point?
2: We are going to move on to the 90s with In Search of Darkness 90s. When I made In Search of Darkness 2, uh, I kind of thought, well, I get to dig deeper. I get to go uh, into, into you know, straight to VHS territory, international territory. You know, if, if In Search of Darkness 1 was the heavy hitters, in Search of Darkness Two is sort of the deep cuts. And uh after I did that, the response was overwhelmingly, this is so great, I can't wait till three. So many so much so that I thought, okay, I guess I'm making a three now. Oh okay. <laughs> uh seriously, it's not I want to, uh and, and I will and I plan to. But it was I I was a bit uh pleasantly surprised that so many people were just like, I didn't know there was more, but that's enough. It was just like Keep going. I mean, there are hundreds and hundreds of movies that came out. And there are still, like, you know, wide theatrical releases that I still haven't touched. I haven't touched touched The Hitcher. I haven't touched, you know, Monkey Shines. You know, I haven't touched Serpent and the Rainbow. You know, I might have thrown a clip here and there just because I haven't gotten to it. So we got to sort of include it somehow. You'll see I do that sometimes. If you watch these movies, there's a Hitcher clip, you know, in, like, part two or maybe part one. But, um. These are things that it's a story that I can keep going if if the if the audience wants it. But we want to do 90s as a whole separate reboot with the same structure starting 90 to 99. Oh. Yeah,
0: 99. Oh, I'm excited about that. Okay. I'm all excited about both.
2: <laughs> sure. Well, but that that answers your question, right? You know, in yeah. terms of what is in search of darkness 3. It's like we did 80s. We did 80s again. We could still do 80s. We could probably do I a- ISOD 4 in 80s. But uh, wow. the plan is do three. It's all going to be even more of, you know, it's going to be, I mean, the way it's sort of being pitched is it's sort of the underbelly of, of of straight-to-video, you know, the real, if you're, like, if you're a real fan, if you're a fan with a capital F, this is your movie if you're a horror <laughs> fan, you know. Uh, it's accessible to everybody. And the, But the thing is – Someone wrote Letterboxed is like you know best and worst. You know people do not pull their punches on Letterboxed, and wow. I get on there. I'm just like, oh, okay, I see how you feel. And yes, I'm reading it, and now I know. You know, <laughs> it's it, it's the best constructive criticism for me to say, okay, like next time around, how can I improve on that? Um, but somebody wrote, and I'm paraphrasing, and I'm going to get it wrong, but you know. Uh when I saw In Search of Darkness 1 I was introduced to 80s horror and I thought well wow, I know a lot about 80s horror. When I saw In Search of Darkness part 2 I thought wow I know nothing about 80s horror.
1: <laughs> I think that's I think that's actually a really good uh summation of of the two movies cuz there's like there there were so many deep cuts like uh, I was a video store kid and I'm like, the Boogans? What the hell? The <laughs> but the I, I I do want to I do want to say thank you because the last time we spoke to you, uh I, I had jokingly said I really wanted uh inferno there, and you literally start in Search of Darkness Here. The very first movie covered in 1980 is Inferno, <laughs> which is my favorite I did of- I
2: did that for you Danny and I, uh, Argento did it I, too I, I, based on the time it was released in the US Yes because um, <laughs> they're all chronological but I' I will say I did it for you on purpose.
1: I, I'll take it don't worry. Uh, in our last interview, you said something that kind of stuck with me. you said curation is key um and we grew up in the 80s uh, Pete and I, and we we're, we were video store kids. So our curators were the local video stores like pre-dating Blockbuster, which had great horror selections, which is why we love your documentary so much because it's like revisiting that. Um, In Search of Darkness 2 is going to Shudder at the end of this month, I believe the 26th. Mm-hmm. And now, uh, so that means you're gonna have nine hours of In Search of Darkness on Shutter by the end of this month. Um, in terms of curation, I feel like, you know, shamelessly plugging Shudder a little bit, they are probably the best in horror curation right now. Um, and I think you've had some of their people as talking heads in your in your documentary. So can you just talk a little bit about what Shudder means to the horror community as somebody who has their, their films on their service?
2: Sure, sure. And when I say, you know, people who have been on Shudder... Um, no representative of shutter has been on in, 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 search of darkness, but like for like Phil noble jr. For example, is probably the best example. Cause he's, he's a, he's a, a great voice. You know, he's the editor in chief of Fangoria magazine. Wow. Uh, and, um, I've had other, other, uh, uh, you know, Michael Gingold, uh, uh formerly editor in chief of Fangoria's and in search of darkness one or two as well. Um, but he's all over Shudder because he's in a bunch of the different programs that they've got. And he's produced some things that are on there as well. Um, Shudder to me is uh, and and I'm not being paid by Shudder. I feel like this is like, you know, the paid portion of, you know, but it's like it. It's a it's the clubhouse that we really want and need and want to share mm-hmm. uh, for horror, Um and i think what makes shutter incredibly unique compared to any other streaming service that's out there obviously this one is very much for horror is that they really understand the genre they understand the appeal of the genre and they understand their audience and they understand the passion of the audience and the fans um so their their what they curate and what they they put on their channel is very much uh, designed to appeal to what we love, what we want, you know, new material, new, you know, uh, Creepshow could not return anywhere else but on yeah. Shudder, if you ask me, you know, it's just the perfect home for it. You know, Joe Bob Briggs, you know, and Darcy, you know, uh, they, they, they should be nowhere else because it's, it's an interaction and a conversation uh, and, and a campfire with the fans, that only Shutter knows how to do. Gosh, you know, think about it. With all the programming they have, I look forward to the Ghoul Log. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I'm yeah. just like I can't. I'm so excited they're doing a new Ghoul Log this year, and I'm just going to put it on while I carve my pumpkins, or just hang out, or, you know, for someone like me who lives in Los Angeles and and California, I grew up in 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 the Berkshires. You know, where autumn weather in in Western Massachusetts is just uh, it's sweater weather and hot apple cider and crunchy crude leaves and Halloween is the greatest time of year. I mean, I that's that's in my blood. And, uh, (laughs) you know, California, California, October, it's like usually a 90 degree day and it's kind of emotionally. Disappointing to me on a daily basis that I can't feel I can't put on, you know, Jethro Tull and, and feel like, you know, it's going to be cold outside. Anyway, I digress. So like the gulag is is something that appeals to me. Absolutely. And, you know, just if you look at their social media interaction. They're constantly fielding the fans. Craig Engler, who uh, I think is the general manager of this of uh, shutter. He's constantly interacting with everyone online saying what'd you like what's your favorite what what would you like to see more of you know this is what we've got let's have a conversation about it anyway listen i'm caffeinated so i can clearly talk a lot about these things so i'm glad you're asking
0: yeah well it's okay because you know what we plug shutter all the time and they don't like give us any money either it's just we love it so much and we just review so much of their content so
2: well i I'll, I'll say lastly and i'll encapsulate you know what i've been saying is that you know we all have streaming entertainment you know whether it's netflix or you know paramount plus or hulu or whatever it may be um and they're great for whatever they offer you know there's 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 the pros and the cons but at the end of the day none of those feel like they're personal to me you know if i if i if i let it go i let it go just because i can't afford it that month or i'm just not watching it much or just whatever it may be shutter is like i feel like they they understand me they know me i feel like it's a friend yeah. uh, i feel like they get it and i and i want to support that kind of structure of the a uh, very personable streaming entity owned by what amc and whoever owns amc right so there right. you
0: go yeah yeah well, now that we've plugged Shudder so much, let's plug uh, In Search of Tomorrow. And so, uh, you, you said that you watched our In Search of Tomorrow trailer, uh, you know, live reaction.
2: I was I was clocking it for the first mouth drop.
0: <laughs> there you go, yeah. Well, you probably heard me go, oh yeah, when uh, you showed Transformers, or the Transformers, the movie, which is my favorite movie of all time. And um, I noticed that Akira's in there too. Are there other animated movies from the 80s that are in there as well?
2: Yeah, heavy metal. Um, it's currently in process. Uh, I want. I want to make sure. It's kind of like the approach is going to be very much like in Search of Darkness. There's, there's. While we are liking to call it definitive, it is in no way definitive. It, it, the intention is it's going to be an ongoing story. So uh, you know the response has been absolutely amazing to In Search of Tomorrow so far, uh, as we've progressed. Um, and ideally we'll keep on going we will keep on going with with the story because there's so much more that we you just can't fit it all in even one four-hour movie you know for the uninitiated all these movies that i've been structuring it's goes for the whole decade it goes from you know 1980 through 1989 and within each year cover five seven eight ten movies however many you can fit in And then a chapter in between which is a larger context topic whether it's the pop culture whether it's the special effects whether it's heroes whether it's villains composers whatever it may be the movie movie scores um and then you just keep on going and so uh there are a lot of really well-known animated sci-fi films out there Mm -hmm. um we'll see what i can get to you know but there are some that tick the boxes in the first round that are just crucial you know uh every time transformers the movie in 1986 is is discussed the i see the response is absolutely overwhelming i mean that just that just that gets people right in the fields uh for for a certain generation who watched it on the big screen and i i respect that and i love that and that to me is encouraging and so for me you know i saw movies like heavy metal which was like the first rated r animated film that i got to see you know i I sort of grew up on in a in a ralph bakshi decade um and even though i was too young to see fritz the cat and wizards when they first came out i knew what that was about and so by the time uh uh heavy metal came around and there was like sex and profanity i was just like god this is this is so great and it's it's true to the magazine and what the magazine offers you know as an anthology so um yeah and i mean akira is groundbreaking to me. That is, that is just the, there's the before and the after when it came to Japanese anime, I was oblivious. Now I am a kid who had some of my best friends were, uh, Japanese when I was in like second and third grade. And they introduced me to the likes of like Raidin and go Ranger, which were the earlier precursors to, you know, common rider and, you know, uh, uh um, we all know it, power rangers yeah. uh you know transformers all those things that that came to america in a different form were different and 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 blew my mind in the early 70s as a kid and so i was really in tune to all that stuff um so i knew about japanese anime and then one day everyone said "akira you got to see akira" and i i thought <laughs> you're, you're the first person hearing this and it's going to mean nothing to you but the in in Raidin, uh, which was sort of about a transforming robot kind of, you know, battling giant kaijus. It's a great, you gotta seek it out. Basically it's impossible like a, to find like here.
1: Forerunner of Voltron.
2: Forerunner of Voltron. Rydeen was they called it raidine and it was one of the Shogun Warriors, but that's when they Americanized it and said, you can have this America. But prior to that, um uh Rydeen was uh, I, it's just hard to find. But all I'm gonna yeah. say is that the the lead character who would had this awesome motorcycle that could fly and he'd fly into the forehead of Rydeen and blend in and he can control it. So like Pacific Rim, that's Rydeen. you know, all these guys controlling these giant robots fighting Kaiju that all stems from stuff that I loved as a kid. And that guy's name was Akira. So that's a long way of saying when Akira came out, I'm like, wait, they made a movie about Akira. That's not Akira. What is this Akira? I don't get it. Uh, And, 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 and talk about jaws dropping. I was floored. I was, I did not know that you could do that in animation until and then after I saw uh, Akira, I was I was ravenous for Japanese anime after that and and finding similar things. And you know, Ghost in the Shell was kind of the obvious progression, but so many things. Like one of my favorites is uh, although I think it's early nineties, is um Metropolis. There's a remake of Metropolis, loose remake of Metropolis is Japanese anime, and that's that's spectacular uh project echo which is in the 80s So we want to find a way to put that in I'm, my movie in some way shape or form there's so much it's listen tip of the iceberg we all know there's so much but uh cool. to answer your question because i remember you asked the question uh yeah anime and uh, animation definitely has a place in 80s sci-fi
0: Absolutely, yeah, yes. yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to that. Man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's right in my wheelhouse. I love that. I love Transformers. You know, we actually um, interviewed Stephen Kostanski uh, from he made Psycho Goreman, right? And mm-hmm. uh, he said, that, you know, Transformers, the Transformers, the movie. Is like one of his favorite movies too, and he was saying that was a big influence. So it's just, it's cool. Like that movie really resonates. And uh, Danny, I, I'm sorry to hijack your question, but like one thing I was gonna say was, you, you must stop and I just for a moment
2: and and let's pay a moment of respect to Psycho Gorman, which is such a fun movie, oh, so yes. entertaining, so I, hilarious, just brilliant beginning to end.
1: I made I made my my nephew was sleeping over. He's same age as my daughter. They're both ten years old, and I made them watch it with me. And I got my uh, somewhere up there. I got the Blu-ray already, the Hunky Boys edition. It is, <laughs> it is so much freaking
2: fun. That I moment is so hysterical. Fun. He just, he's, uh, <laughs> I might, I might have a moment here. It's so funny. <laughs> wow.
0: Yeah. Um, but what I was going to say go about ahead. Transformers, the movie, is that, Sorry, like, <laughs> no, it's all good. I feel like it has this perfect blending of what you're seeing on screen and the soundtrack. Like, it's it's rare where I've seen a movie where the soundtrack syncs up so much. And I think that, like, it, you probably touch upon this in your documentary, but, like, the 80s scores, I think, for genre are superior to other decades. You know, anything that's come... Since then and anything prior. I'm sure there's great examples prior, but I think that the 80s scores are just like tremendous. And I'm really happy that you have uh, Brad Fidel on there and you talk about composers. I'm I'm real excited about that. That's it's absolutely
2: crucial. I think I think all of us, you know, who People who people like us who care about these movies, the music is a, a very crucial element. Uh, we all know we all know that if you you strip away John Williams from Star Wars, it's just it's just nowhere near the same, you know. Um, gosh, you know you, you look at I, I was doing a, a, a I've seen it so many times, uh, but I did a rewatch of uh, Wrath of Khan, and and I'm excited to uh, talk to Nicholas Meyer. Uh, who directed Wrath of Khan, because I want to talk, among many other topics, I want to talk to him about, you know, like the chicken and the egg scenario of how you, how you do you cut to the music or does the music cut to your cut? Uh, mm-hmm. When you put together such a brilliant sequence where, you know, Khan and Kirk face off with the two starships, you know, for the first time, because it creates such a, an intention. Yeah. It's such tension. Uh, it, it's a masterpiece. If you you look at the way it's, it's assembled from the acting to the way it's edited, to the music, to the tension built, to the sound design, you know, to Ricardo Montalban's overacting. It's wonderful. <laughs> I love it. Don't get me wrong. That's not, that's not a jab. That's a statement. Uh-huh.
1: Uh, I love that uh, in the in the trailer, um, I, and I I think I mentioned this on Pete my uh, reaction video. But uh, I saw Vernon Wells, and I and I I met him at a convention. He was so cool, and I actually didn't realize because when <laughs> I saw him when I saw him, I was like, "Holy crap, it's Bennett from Commando!" And then I looked at his pictures that he was selling, and I went, "Oh my God, he was." He was the I never knew that
2: actor. I never knew Bennett was Wes when I saw Commando. I saw the whole movie beginning to end and all I thought to myself was this I've seen this actor before but yeah. he, it's an entirely different human and so acting you know yeah. it's good. Yeah.
1: Uh just speaking of the the soundtracks. I mean you brought up heavy metal and I Interspace
2: didn't... too. Interspace
1: as well, Interspace you know. He's the
2: bad guy in Interspace. That's right.
1: Oh my God. I, I had the, the, the heavy metal soundtrack. I, when I first started driving, that was like one of the first CDs that I brought down to my car. And I think over there somewhere I have the, the phenomena, uh, vinyl album, of Claudio Simonetti, goblin, you know, great stuff. Uh, but, uh, in search of darkness Two, um, which right here, uh, but I, uh, as as a crowdfunder, funder, I, I paused it when I watched it with my daughter uh, in the credits and I showed her my name in the credits and she was like flabbergasted. And then I kind of lied and told her that I had a huge part of making it.
2: Um, you did. I. You made sure that Inferno was
1: first. Right. <laughs> uh, Pete and I were talking about this and, you know, we are the target audience, maybe even people a little older than us, because we're born in the early eighties. So we got the, the end of the eighties, like video store, uh, phase. Uh, so like the in search of darkness documentaries, they are just nostalgia porn, pardon me pun for people, our age, maybe a little bit older. Um, what, what do you want? more younger more modern horror fans to get out of these because my daughter watches watched both of these films with me all nine hours of them and for her at 10 years old they're just like lists now of like movies she has to knock off but as the director what what do you want these movies to do for the younger horror fans who are looking at these and and encountering these films for the first time
2: well, I think that's a great question. It goes back to curation, and curation is key. Um, when I, prior, to, prior to this, I, I worked at Entertainment Tonight for like 13 years, and uh, I learned over the time that I was there that a lot of my coworkers, who I figured if you're at Entertainment Tonight, you should be as knowledgeable as I am, and I didn't, you know, I'm not putting myself up there. I'm like, I know a thing or two about a thing or two, but... There are people who just know the world. So we all need to know, just we need to be interested. We need to care. We need to be actively consuming entertainment so we just know about this stuff and have constant knowledge. If you're working at entertainment tonight, you need to be that person in addition to getting the job done, getting everything on TV, writing about the, the material and the news and all that stuff like that. Well, I was sorely mistaken, and I, I found myself surrounded by by people who were younger than me who did not show any interest in what happened before they were born or they were very interested but they didn't know where to start and they would apologize immediately because i'd say oh you hadn't seen star wars like to me it was slightly shocking but then again but well hang on but then you gotta understand well maybe it's not the most important thing for them maybe it's not their genre maybe everyone talks about it uh and i discovered a bunch of things i discovered one there's so much out there they don't know where to start so sometimes they don't start anywhere they just turn on the tv and see what's there you know or they're like well i want to get into star wars but i'm so intimidated because there's a universe of you know books of of shows of games of of you know multiple movies of you know animated series i don't know where to start so i don't know what to do everyone tells me something different you know um so to answer your question, these movies, I think, show how these all these films came out in a decade in context with all the other films that came out. It shows an evolution of, of acting, of effects, of filmmaking. It shows an evolution of other films being inspired by previous films and either one-upping them or expanding on it or ripping them off. But they're out there and it's interesting stuff. Um, And it it, it allows them to be exposed to some stuff that they've never, ever seen before, but they might have heard of or never even heard of. So, you know, Empire Strikes Back might pop up. And and for people like us, we're like, well, of course, it's Empire Strikes Back. And you'll watch the the, the four to five minutes that I will devote for this in this movie and say, well, why didn't they talk about X, Y and Z? And guess what? There's no way it it can't be done. It, It can't be done. I will include things that are cool. I will try and include things that are informative that you may not have heard before, but it's all been said and done. So it's really just about what's why, who loves it and why, and, and what were the themes and why is it so important and how is it influential? That's a story that can in, in, in educate, educate someone who is not so versed in in the Star Wars saga as to why this meant a, a huge amount Back in the day, you know, I mean, (laughs) you know, my my, I've spent the first seven years of my kid's life trying not to expose the deep, dark secret of who Luke's father was, because every time I wanted to expose him to Star Wars and I'd give him like a little kid's book it's in there you know it's like it's it's all around it's 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 pop culture you know i am your father it's everywhere i would read him books and we'd get to that part and i'd literally skip over it, like and darth vader was mean to luke and anyway they rescued him you know (laughs) because i wanted i wanted one day for him to one day organically watch the empire strikes back and just go you know I, it's not going to happen. It's just not there. It's not there, you know? So um, I think these movies expose people to things that they uh, know about, but needed to know Want you know, they can learn more about it. They can choose if they say, this is cool. I want to now discover it on my own to pop it in their VCR, so to speak. You know uh, that's, that's what these are for, for the younger generation.
1: It's 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 funny that you, one of the films that you included in In Search of Darkness 2 was was a film that actually did that for me. I I must have rented it 10 to 15 times was Terror in the Isles. And I I was actually shocked that you put that in cuz it was that to me was like such a like I can't believe the documentary is putting like a quick
2: Yeah, it's a show bit it's a bit of a meta move, isn't
1: it? Yeah. <laughs> but I I remember watching that as a kid and I didn't, I think it was Heather Wixon in the documentary that mentioned that the titles of the movie were in the skull. I never knew that until I watched so you, it. She,
2: yeah. Heather Wixon, managing, uh, managing editor of daily dead would go to the video store and get the box for it, terror in the aisles. And in that skull, if you look closely, it's the titles of all the movies that they cover
0: that, and, would use that, as her that. Guide
2: and go around the aisles and say, all right, I got to find, you know, Carry, you know that kind of thing. Yeah, that's so cool. Well, you know, the, the, uh, the nuances of that, though. I think I, I just I think that is what speaks to the audience that appreciates these movies, like you guys. You know, because it's more than just watching a movie. That's that's what these movies that are making are more uh, more than just this is what this is what these movies are about. It's about the experience of of loving them, appreciating, learning from them, but also our own individual experiences of how we saw it and how we consumed it, where we are, where we were, how old we were, what state of mind we were in, and why it made a difference in our lives. And, and the, the, the story about going to the video store and finding it, discovering it, and taking it home and wanting to share it with your friends is, is important to all of us because while it was a month, back then it may have been a bit of a mundane experience it's it it's uh, a precious one now because we don't have it right? right
0: yeah yeah very good point yeah i i actually have had that experience with my daughter where i was trying to keep her from knowing about darth vader and luke and i was able to carry it out i think uh i showed her empire Strikes back when she was like six or seven and she did not know the truth so that reveal she turned to me and she's like wait is that true and i, I said yeah it was it was a great feeling you know and, well, uh, well,
2: she had you there to validate it's true. I I had to wait three years. <laughs> oh yes, that's, that's the point. Yeah. Seriously, yeah. I I watched that movie and I and I, just to stick on that point, I was just like, he's lying. No, he's lying. And my friend's like, no, no, he said it, so it's got to be true. I'm like, you don't believe Darth Vader? Yeah. He's just manipulating him. It can't be true. I just <laughs> couldn't accept that. Anyway, I yes. digress.
1: Meanwhile, uh, I'm the psychopath who like sets my own daughter up for like jump scare moments. Uh, (laughs) Joe Bob, speaking of Joe Bob, uh, he he had Exorcist three on one night, which of course that's one of the greatest. And and right before that jump scare happens, there's a scene where like a character kind of like jumps out of a bathtub to scare that nurse. And I was like, oh no, see that was the jump scare. That was it. And she was like, oh okay. And then the jump scare happened, and she like was like oh my god i can't believe you set me up for that i was like yeah th- this is things like this are going to get me divorced but it's it's oh. a- <laughs>
2: <laughs> there there are some theatrical experiences where the communal experience is incredibly important in watching a movie uh i was there opening night for the exorcist 3 uh and of course none of us saw that coming and that's one of those jump scare moments where the entire theater for 5 minutes after it came and went were still giggling and talking and murmuring and like you know because it, it it was so well crafted that uh i will always remember that movie simply because of that experience i had it, it makes a difference it's like seeing a comedy in a theater Versus just popping a comedy in at home, you know, a comedy might not be that funny, but when the audience is roaring around you at the stuff that isn't even that funny, it's just you yeah. got that energy, and it makes such a, a, a an enhanced movie experience.
1: Yeah, Rock. thankfully theaters are starting to open back up, so you know, hopefully we can get those experiences. It took, again. took Godzilla
2: and Kong to to oh. end the time and yeah. the timing of the pandemic to get it out there, though.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's so funny, like the dynamic on our screen. If you look at it, right, yeah, Danny on one side, you got me on the other, and then you're in the middle, right, David? And it's like, I feel like I should have made Danny's the In Search of Darkness background, and I should have been the In Search (laughs) of Tomorrow. Right, right, right. Because that's kind of the way we're, and then you're, of course, right in the middle. And and so, like, he keeps bringing it back to In Search of Darkness. I keep bringing it back to In Search of Tomorrow. (laughs) But um, what I was going to say was that speaking of the next generation, um, I, I know that right now, with modern horror movies, it really does seem like there's a renaissance or there is some sort of surge in like really well-made original horror movies coming out in the theater, coming out on, you know, in um, on demand. Um, But my thing is, it feels like there is a dearth of original sci-fi big budget films. Sure, there's great movies like, you know, um, like Psycho Gorman, like we just said, and of course, like uh, Upgrade and stuff like that, right? But like, why do you think that there is such a lack of original like just sci-fi content in the theaters now?
2: Superheroes. Superheroes du jour, you know. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: Every, everyone, you get to have a little of both, you know, like uh, um, I, when Guardians of the Galaxy was first announced, uh, I, I will be the first to say that as much as I love Marvel and comics, I was not familiar with Guardians of the Galaxy other than the name. Uh, I knew nothing about it. But I remember thinking to myself that Marvel had such a solid track record up until that point that, listen, if they want to give me a talking raccoon in a tree, I'm sure it'll be fine. And we all love that talking, you know, raccoon and tree now. Actually, it's a rabbit, according to Thor. But, uh, okay. but, um, uh my point is i i couldn't wrap my brain around how they were going to integrate outer space adventure with grounded superhero fantasy uh and and it's a it's a hybrid now i mean arguably in avengers it was already there because the aliens invaded from space in new york and that was the big battle but it still felt like it didn't feel like an outer space. It still was grounded in on, on Earth. The superhero films is is the, is a the simple answer. But I found like on say Netflix, if you go to Netflix, there's like a, a an outer space drama or fantasy or or you know horror hybrid that that comes out practically every other week. I mean, oh. it's it's a steady stream. There's a lot on Netflix. Um, and I think a lot of people are going there because they're paying to, to either pick up the negative or, 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 or fund it, however, they're doing it. Um, they're not always good, uh, but it's a steady stream. And uh, I find myself, oh, you know, yeah, you know, um, I mean, like even like the new Cloverfield movie, New Cloverfield movie in space debuted on Netflix as a surprise, if you remember. You know, oh, was like, like right
1: oh. after the Super Bowl, right?
2: Right. They're like, surprise, the whole new Cloverfield movie exists and you can watch it right now. Right. right. That was up there with like, you know, U2 showing up at, you know, the Apple announcement saying, here's, you all have a new U2 album in your iTunes, you know, have yeah. fun. <laughs> like that was like, whatever you whatever you think of that album, and I actually think it was a really good album. The, the, the surprise and the, the fan service was just so wonderful, you know. Uh, so there you go, that's my answer. I think it's you blame the superheroes. Yeah,
0: yeah. I, I think we definitely could, you know, it's like the thing is, I feel like in the 80s after uh, Star Wars, they there was the possibility of what you could do with special effects, right? And it goes all the way like up until like Terminator 2 and Jurassic Park and of course, beyond that as well. But I feel like the movies with the superhero movies, they always wanted to make those kinds of movies. It's just, they were like, we're not at that point yet. And we finally gotten to that point where we can make infinity war and, and we've already had Lord of the Rings, you know, it's like, we can do anything now. And yet it just seems like, I guess with like these Netflix releases are saying like that, they're sort of under the radar of releases, but there's no like real big original in your face kind of release.
2: Not much, not much. Not like it, not like in the eighties, right. You know, and, and the eighties, you know, uh, it all, it's all stems from one movie and we all know it, you know, um, it changed the game you know star wars changed the game everyone wanted their you know the the people wanted the content the uh, studios wanted the dollars you know and 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 people were paying for it and people you know like us you know i part of my video store experience and part of my experience with sci-fi and it all ties into in search of tomorrow, uh, tomorrow was I was very much trying to relive my Star Wars experience, especially between Star Wars and Empire. And any movie that came out, if it was like Star Crash or Battle Beyond the Stars, I was just like, I will be there. Battlestar Galactica on TV. If it's Star Wars-ish, I'm there and I want that same feeling, the same feels and nostalgia that I got from Star Wars. And sometimes it hit, sometimes it missed. More often than not, it missed, and it got to the point where I got tired of being duped by really great cover art, especially if it was straight to video. At
1: the, at, at the especially if produced or directed by Roger Corman.
2: <laughs> exactly. You know? well, yeah. well, you and I, you know, I developed a learning curve. You know, I have to I, I started to learn to like, yeah, it looks cool, but unless there's, you know, the, unless the nudity is as 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 promising as they put on the artwork here that's of course when I was getting older you know <laughs> I, I, I'm not I'm not gonna bite you know um but to me that makes revisiting these movies at this age or just over the over the many years later when I avoided them in the 80s because I knew that I was I was tired of getting duped you know by rip-offs um, the appreciation for for the rip-offs and the and the homages quote unquote, uh have become much more uh, uh you know strong for me yeah mm-hmm.
1: mm-hmm. yeah I think I think you see that even now with the the sequels and how people are just they're almost out of energy with even the 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 star wars sequels and they there's such a toxic like kickback against them
2: there mm-hmm. is but it's like you know for everyone and, and I know you know this but for everyone who says, you know, Star Wars is dead. You know, Disney killed it. Mandalorian comes, and everyone says, "Oh, more, 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 more!" Yay, we uh-huh. get our Boba Fett off. It's just like it, it's in the hands of the storytellers, you know. Uh, oh, yeah. and, and 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 one person's regurgitation of nostalgia is another person's, uh, you know, treasured in uh, uh, you know intellectual. Uh, Easter egg, you know? <laughs> I mean, it's just like, oh, they put a land speeder because we all love land speeders. I'm so cynical. Or they could say, oh, they're using it for part of the story. It's also part of the lore in the universe. It's canon. It all makes sense. And if you care about that and uh, you can be impressed by that rather than cynical about it, then by all means, like, enjoy your your stuff. Listen, we you know, all these things that quote-unquote ruin our childhood, uh, oh, it, oh. It, can, it cannot be ruined and it cannot be besmirched. You know, you can recast Indiana Jones tomorrow with any actor, you know. Um, it's not going to take away what, what uh, you know, what Harrison Ford has done for that character. I mean, it's it's he has nothing to fear, you know. Uh, Kurt Russell has said that many times. He said that to my face. He said, you know, because at the time, you know, yet another Escape from New York, Snake Plissken remake was in the works. And I said, what do you think? And he just said, you know, we did ours. And. You know, it stands and lives and dies by its own merits. You know, all power to the people who make a remake. And, you know, it won't take away what we did with our movie. And he's absolutely right, you know?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, David, it's it's been 52 minutes. We went past the time that we said. But uh, I do want to just close, since I was very uh, obviously instrumental in, in giving you Inferno for part two. <laughs> I have to shout out an '80s movie that you haven't covered yet that Pete will know because we've covered we've talked about it a little bit on this channel. Unmasked Part Twenty Five.
2: Unmasked Twenty
1: Five.
0: I have a copy right here.
1: Get out of here. here. You have the vinegar syndrome. Let me see. (laughs) No. It's a meta slasher. It's I think it's an English film from like 88 89 It's streaming free on Tubi if you want to check it out. Tubi. I I cannot say enough positive things about this crazy movie. I love it so much. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much for coming on with us again. uh, (laughs) We love love your stuff. Um, In Search of Darkness 2 is going to be on Shudder on April 26th. And... The Indiegogo
2: is up, uh, what is it, 80scifidoc.com? Yeah, you go to 80scifidoc.com, 80scifidoc.com. We're running an Indiegogo campaign between now and May 4th. Uh, If you want to pre-order it and you can get your name in the credits, you can get your access to the Discord community, Um, all sorts of cool surprises and access. We do a weekly show, whether it's a watch party or like a clip show, interview show, uh, with a lot of uh, the folks who were uh, part of uh, that era. It's very cool there. So you got great community, you get a copy of the film, you get posters, you get a pin, you get, you know, downloads, all sorts of cool stuff. Uh, So to go to 80 ficom between now and uh, May 4th. And if you've already ordered it, tell your friends, because right now what we're doing is, uh, we're really just trying to get a broader audience to be aware of this film we're doing. And uh, to reiterate, uh, at this point, we've got 75 uh, people and counting uh, that I'm interviewing and we're putting in the movie to go 1980 to 1989, talking about sci-fi movies, their favorites, the ones that they were in, the ones that they love, Um, you got filmmakers, you got actors, you've got, uh, you know, uh, experts, you've got composers, production designers, you know, editors, the people who made these movies, they're telling the tale. And uh, for me, it's just an absolute blast and I'm getting to meet some of my heroes and uh, I get to sit down with each and every one of them uh, in a COVID safe environment and uh, do some wonderful interviews. And the movie is, uh, we're aiming to get it out in December.
0: Awesome! Yeah, Christmas
1: presents for all.
0: Yeah, actually this is my Father's Day gift. I told my wife, can you just, you know, sign me up for this? And then I, you know, that's gonna be my gift. So I'm excited. (laughs) <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. Yeah, yeah so david we are just so happy to have you on our show anytime that you come on and we are just such big fans of these documentaries like it, it kind of inspires us with our show you know because you're right it's not just like summing up what the movie is about it's about what the experience was like and how it affected us and so uh we just really appreciate you having you on and we look forward to talking to you again in the future
2: I appreciate you having me and I appreciate your geek enthusiasm and uh, it's genuine. It, it's heartfelt. And uh, you know, we all, we all love talking about this stuff uh, ad nauseum, right? So how about, how about a four hour movie to talk about afterwards? Yeah. That's good. <laughs> well, you keep,
1: you keep making them and we'll have you back on every time. And <laughs> we'll plug the next one. No problem.
2: Well, that's why I keep making them just for an excuse to be on your show. That's awesome, man. We'll take some, Yeah, thanks so much, man. (laughs)